Your sensors are correct. Do not adjust your heading. Your heading. You've discovered the Omega Particle. Streaming to the Alpha Quadrant and beyond. 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 Here's your host. The anchorman of the Federation. The doctor of Dilithium. This is Jonathan Wiegand. No, Luna. I mean, come on. I mean, it was just a theory about Kirk. And we know it's just an Easter egg. It was just a theory. What? Are we recording? Did you? Anyway, welcome to the Omega Particle Podcast. I am your host, your doctor of dilithium, Jonathan Wiegand. And that was my intern, Luna, who might be replaced. I'm just kidding. Uh, (laughs) um, Yeah, we were talking about last week's kind of wild theory of a potential Kirk revival, you know, right next to the Genesis device. But, um, yep, if you haven't heard that theory, uh, go back to last week's episode of Picard uh, Review of the Bounty and listen to that. But today we are reviewing the seventh episode of season three called Dominion. And uh, boy, this one had some mixed feelings, uh, just to be honest. That's my honest opinion. Uh, We'll get into it, of course, during our review. But I just want to say I wasn't so gung-ho about this episode compared to the last couple weeks. But I will say just to check in with the fans, the the media, you beautiful people out there. We had a Twitter uh, and Instagram voting kind of like what you thought about the bounty and about 80 percent of you voted a five stars awesome episode some of you voted for about four and three stars but a very low percentage around nine and ten percent for those so it's really kind of across the board and across the consensus of the star trek uh fandom that you know the bounty was an excellent episode but i think the dominion will be vastly different just from what i've been reading and what i've been hearing and talking to you guys on social media it's just not um, not as well-loved. And you know what? That's okay. Remember a few weeks ago, I was kind of mentioning, you know, there's these roller coaster episodes where you have this huge, amazing climax and hill, and, you know, you're going down the hill, and you're screaming, and your hands are in the air, and you're like, wow, this is great. And then, like, now you're kind of in that crescendo, you know, like we're just kind of coming out of it, kind of setting the table for the rest of the season. And, you know, that's fine. Because this episode really did an amazing job of that, but it did raise some doubts in me. Like, I mean, how are they going to land this plane? And I've been saying that all season. Like, they're setting us up with these great episodes, but if they don't land the ending, it it would just tarnish the legacy of Picard. And if and if you doubt beyond that, and you don't think the ending's important, you remember a little show called Game of Thrones? Anybody? Yeah. That ending completely botched the entire series. Remember, people were so pumped on it. It was such a pop culture icon for so many years. And then nobody even like rewatches it anymore. You know, it, it's very rare you hear people be like, oh, I'm starting Game of Thrones because the ending we all know is crap. So hopefully uh, they land the plane right for Picard season three. To me, I think this definitely sets up episode eight with the kind of classic trope of trek you know having Worf and rafi return to the titan and then they slowly kind of die hard their way and if you haven't seen die hard they like slowly take over the ship one by one and then episodes nine and ten will be will be about stopping you know the attack on frontier day so the table is completely set 
or it could be completely wrong. I don't know. Um, the writers definitely haven't been following the formula, which is also good. So I'm not going to complain about that. However, just some quick news. I'm sure a lot of you saw Michelle Yu won Best Actress in the Oscars for every, Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. Is that right, Luna? Okay. Ever since then, a lot of people in the Star Trek community have been kind of worried. This newly minted Oscar winner, is she going to do the Section 31 show that we've kind of been waiting for? And so we'll have to see, but I, I don't know. He says that um, they're very excited. They're still in the long gestating Section 31 spinoff, and it's still going to happen, according to Alex Kurtzman in an interview this past couple of weeks. So hopefully that's what we get. And if not, I mean, I understand, you know, she's probably getting paid a lot more to do other things, but we'll <laughs> I hope we get a Section 31 because this definitely ties into today's episode in Section 31 I mean, are we the baddies? I think we have to ask ourselves that after uh, watching this episode. Anyway, without further ado, Luna, let's roll. Like I was saying, after the excellent episode last week of The Bounty, it was kind of inevitable that, you know, we're going to get some subsequent episodes that wouldn't be as impressive they just wouldn't be any good and for example dominion it was supposed to be one of these episodes that promises you know we're going to have more about vatic have more about the changelings and their plans but to me it just failed to deliver that however this episode is not entirely bad and it's certainly not the worst episode of picard however the subplots involving jordy data and lore are definitely emotionally engaging, absolutely, although they don't all fit together perfectly. Nonetheless, they definitely set the stage, like I mentioned, for an exciting follow-up episode of almost a die-hard moment. And the episode, I mean, kicks off with a powerful start. <laughs> I think we were all surprised to see Tuvok, you know, from, from Voyager, played by the uh, immaculate Tim Russ, and I mean, I, I wasn't expecting Tuvok of all people, but it's a totally amazing. You know, we got to see him and I'm glad we got to see him. Plus, you know, the crescendo of the Voyager theme just made my heart smile. And I mean, I think they're doing an awesome job of the show by paying homage to these beloved Star Trek series. And again, I mean, I think uh, this guy, Terry Milatis, he should be our Dave Filoni of Star Wars. Um, he should be our guy. I mean, give him everything. Give him the next shows. Give him the next movies. I think he's doing an awesome job and meeting plot with nostalgia, which is incredibly difficult to do. I, I will say this going kind of mentioning the Tuvok scene um, with Seven of Nine, and she's kind of discerning, you know, if she's talking to Tuvok or she's talking to a changeling. I think Jerry Ryan's portrayal of her anger and just her observation skills and kind of going back and forth. I mean, what a range by Jerry. I was super impressed with her acting. I think that she deserves some type of spinoff or awards for this, her portrayal of Seven. Been nothing but the best from her. So I, I've really enjoyed her seeing, you know, come into her own as an actress. So that was that was awesome. But I will say this is episode definitely tries to maintain this level of intensity, you know, throughout the episode. And it kind of does this by revealing, you know, several significant discoveries, you know, about Starfleet's past and the Dominion War throughout the hour. And 
despite its desire to kind of make it interesting, it kind of falls short and it leaves a lot of questions more than answers. And for anybody that didn't know, like this is DS9's plot. We knew this. Like it was almost a rehash to me about, you know, the atrocities and torturing the changelings to get the virus. I was like, yeah, we've done this. We've already, we know this. Uh huh. And if you haven't seen DS9, then I, I understand why they did it, you know, to kind of catch everybody up and be like, are, are we the baddies? Are we the, are we the bad guys? Are we ex-? And then ultimately that Starfleet voted not to give the antidote to the founders and that Odo had to like James Bond the antidote and give it to the Great Link. So that definitely didn't help, you know, their, our cause or Starfleet's cause. And I mean, an ideal version of Starfleet that a lot of people have, especially if maybe you've only watched TNG, you would never keep a cure to a virus that you created using other species' misery to your own advantage. I guess, like Cisco in a pale moonlight, someone at Section 31 can live with it. And this is actually an interesting development that I will say the episode did a good job on, is that so we see that Section 31's classified experiments on those POWs I think, what was it, Luna? It was known as Project Protis? 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 Okay, um, it kind of contributed to their ability to mimic genetic material un- in an undetectable way So and kind of powered Vatic's plan for revenge. So I like that idea that, you know, these nine changelings can go and infect other changelings and, you know, and who knows if they infiltrate the entire Great Link were introduced that it's kind of a rogue terrorist sect, but who knows? But it's this kind of idea that, you know, your chickens have come home to roost. Like your meddling and your war crimes have come home and are going to cost you something now. I think that's interesting. And plus, like I mentioned before with the Section 31 show, this would be really interesting to kind of see maybe another side of this whole thing. Um, and not just get one perspective. Um, what's going on in Section 31? How is this decision made? Who authorized it? You know, was there pushback? You know, because I don't think everybody in Section 31 is, you know, a villainous SS Nazi. But at the same time, they're not the most favorable group in sci-fi right now. Another th- gripe I had with the episode is this, I mean, undoubtedly foolish and doomed strategy of um, letting Vatic and her crew board the ship and hoping to capture them by surprise. Uh, I mean, season three, the plans and kind of the Hail Marys we've seen in Picard haven't gone their way a lot and have been frequently disastrous. I think the writers plainly did this, so it provides an opportunity for Vatic, Picard, and Crusher to kind of confront each other face-to-face in a proper setting, kind of resulted in a kind of a good cop, bad cop interrogation, to me, it just didn't, did it feel forced? Maybe. But it just, I mean, you can see now, hindsight 2020 is like, okay, they were just doing this to get that that sweet conversation and that sweet confrontation. However, Amanda Plummer's performance as Vatic is still super captivating. And as a villain, I think she's losing her edge, just to be honest. I think her performance is good, but to me, she's kind of become almost like one-dimensional character. And she's just obsessed with revenge. And she's not this, like, you know, exciting space pirate that she once was. And she's a bounty hunter. And, you know, now she's just hell-bent on revenge, completely one-dimensional, and that's it. 
I, I really feel kind of staying with Vatic, you know, the revelation about Jack's true identity, it doesn't make me invested in his character in his own right. I, I think the sudden changes in his character from being this this swag kind of Han Solo figure to suddenly feeling like, you know, something's wrong with me and I don't know what to do and I'm shy now and I can't barely touch a girl's hand. And I mean, to me, it's just not convincing. Another thing is that kind of gripes with me is that Jack's decision to kind of risk the safety of others for months while on the run with his mom, then all of a sudden to, he's okay with that. And then all of a sudden to decide now that his life is not worth it to me, it just seems kind of illogical. Yeah. It just doesn't seem right to me. I do. I will say this, that Ed Spieler's the guy playing and portraying Jack is doing his best to make sense. Kind of this confusing and nonsensical dialogue he's given but it, to me at this point, the secret of Jack's true identity feels kind of like it's being dragged out, you know, like to the point it's not even to me serving the story anymore. I don't really even care. You know, there's uh, three episodes left and this was supposed to be the episode we might get something more. But as we saw at the end of Dominion, Vatic hints, you know, over the intercom, you know, we're going to discover who Jack really is in the next episode. But to me, it's just too little, too late. And I just don't care. Like, I'm more concerned about the changelings. I'm more concerned about, you know, data and lore and all that. And and what's happening with Frontier Day, what's up with Riker. I don't really care who Jack is. If he's half changeling or half Poth Wraith, maybe we'll get into that. That's a theory at the end of the episode. Again, it's just this, the table, they set the table and they couldn't answer questions. And they did that with Jack, but they also did that with, you know, this changing attack. We've been hearing about this attack on Frontier Day. Again, no concrete details were given to us, what the intentions are, why they need the body or the dead body of Picard and Jack both. We just don't really get any more concrete details, but we do get one little crack through the facade Maybe, you know, they they stole John Luke's body because they wanted to kind of uh, imitate John Luke and his the security scans or something like that for the for the Frontier Day celebration and kind of evade detection. Okay, that doesn't make any sense. You know, if the majority of those are in charge of Starfleet, why would they just need his body for that? That's a poop theory. We see Data discovers, hey, there actually might be more to it than just that, that John Luke's parietal lobe is exhibiting some unusual activity. It's probably not the Uromotic syndrome, and it could be something to do with, like, Locutus of Borg idea we talked about last week. And, you know, they may bring in the Borg again for the next couple episodes to bring them around. Kind of, I mean, they've always kind of been in Picard each season, and so now it would be nice if they kind of maybe cap that off and bring in the Borg somehow. The Changelings want to have this perfect technology to communicate across galaxies and they would do this by having the mind of Locutus who was still able to control his individuality all while being you know linked to the Borg. No concrete details really given. We got maybe you know some affirmation about the Borg Locutus idea from data. It's just we'll wait and see and they set the table like I've mentioned but it's just a really wait and see and uh, it was just kind of a almost a filler episode, reminded me a lot of episode two. We knew Jack was Picard's son. Why did they have to give us an entire week episode of that? Either way, 
Uh, moving on to talk about the lore slash Data and Jordy interaction. So we see the resurrection of Data, which Quasi has brought back lore, and lore interventions this week led to kind of a, again, another storytelling Trek trope that we've seen. And I, I, I like it a little bit, but I don't feel like it really fits the season. You know, the heroes are captured and they're all taken prisoner kind of cliche. You know, I, I feel like we've seen this through so many seasons of Star Trek. We see it in Deep Space Nine. We see it in um, Voyager, you know, somebody's taking the ship and they have to like work their way through it. I think we've even seen it in TNG, right, Luna? So it's just, again, it's another trope, which is fine. And I like those diehard settings, but not right now. You know, not the third to last episode of, of which has been a great season three. It's a kind of a bad way just to add tension to the story, just to add tension to the story. If that makes any sense. I, I know I'm going really hard in this episode, but it was not the worst, again, of Picard, and I did enjoy some moments of it. And one of those moments, and I feel like the saving grace on the side of the episode was definitely Jordy and the wonderful kind of emotional performance that LeVar Burton put into Jordy that we got out of Jordy as he was you know, trying to reach out to his long-dead friend. I mean, to me, it, I, I don't really care who disagrees with me i think burton deserves an award for his scenes this week alone i mean they were absolutely riveting to watch and i would love to know what you guys think about lavar burton's performance and i just i mean in fact in just two episodes in my opinion my humble opinion jordy has quickly become one of the best characters in picard one of the best characters of the season and i think he's just hitting all those right notes consistently however I will say on the on the other end, even though we have this amazing performance by Burton, we've kind of already seen his great interaction with Data and Lore before. We basically had this conversation and this scene um, in season one, and it came between Data and Picard and Geordi's reunion with Data and this attempt to reach out to him and break through Lore's control. Feels like, again, those rehashing of those conversations between Picard and Data. And, and in spite of what has to be one of the best acting performances in all of modern Trek, in my opinion. These scenes, sadly, just don't add much to the story. So Jordy could have expressed his sorrow at Data's death to Picard or to Alton Soong if the character hadn't been, you know, unceremoniously killed off. But bringing back Data um, just feels kind of, we got the band back together, you know, like, after watching this week, it, he's not, I mean, he's adding to the story, but he's not as involved. And it just seems, you know, it's not sitting right with me. We'll see how it plays out in the next three episodes. Hopefully it gets a little bit better. I just think it's, um, yeah, it's just not sitting right with me. Hopefully they just didn't bring him back, just bring him back, you know, to say we got everybody. So again, as I continue to rip on this episode, I really thought it wasn't too bad. I thought, I mean, I would probably give it like, 6.8 out of 10 you know it's not terrible but it's not great either what leads me to that is there were some confusing points to me you know like for example so we see the beginning of the episode jack's dreams you know they i thought this was explained already i thought this was the erodomic syndrome erodomic syndrome you know i thought that's why he had all these dreams and heard all these voices but i guess not so i guess it's not explained away Another big issue I had is that 
Picard and Beverly seem like they were just going to kill Vatic. And that doesn't sit right well with me either. And it shouldn't for you if you're a lifelong Trek fan. Because so they, they have this former tortured, experimented on prisoner of war under their control. And they decide they're going to kill her. It's the safest option, which I agree is the safest option for them and for them to, you know, stop the pursuit, whatever, for now, because eventually the Changelings people would just send somebody else to go get Jack. But it just doesn't seem very Federation ideals to me. You know, they value all life to seek out new life. We see multiple times they respect it throughout the series. Suddenly they turn into Cisco and sit down on the couch and I'm like, hey, I can live with it. No problem. I really thought Picard was going to say, hey, you know, she's been tortured. We're going to show her we're not like that. We're better than that. This Section 31 monsters, that's not the true Federation. We're going to show them compassion and mercy. And we're going to like talk to them and we're not going to threaten them or anything. And nope, they're just like, none of that. We're just going to shoot her. <laughs> she's she's too dangerous to be kept alive. And I, th- I thought that was a little, uh, little redundant, to be honest. And another big issue I've had is how exactly did lore break out and seize control of the ship? And if you go back and rewatch, it seems to me lore did it because plot (laughs) and they don't really explain it. It just kind of shows up on the screens. Oh, lore's got control of the ship. What can we do? Oh, we got to get data to be in control and fight him. That's just not a very satisfying answer or kind of explanation to me, especially, you know, given the high stakes that we're at right now with Vatic on the ship. And so it seems to me that Vatic and maybe this crazy plan could have worked. You know, they they had all the force fields in place and it seemed very calculated. And without Loris' help, I think Vatic would have been stayed captured. The fact that they just threw Lore's ability to take over a ship just doesn't seem right. It just seems like they just did it for plot's sake to move the plot along. It is what it is. I'm <laughs> again six point eight. There were good points. I mean, how could you not love the Jordy uh, speech? And you know, there was some other good ones between Vatic and Amanda Plummer's her performance and talking about being tortured and her uh, terrible ordeals. Like that was amazing acting. Again, like I said, the villains have become one dimensional. A lot of these emotional scenes we've seen haven't really served a good purpose. They've just been good scenes. And again, we're sitting at the table. Um, however, kind of moving on to the section where we talk about Easter eggs, I didn't really see any Easter eggs. Kind of last week, we had a, a smorgasbord of Easter eggs. Every single scene what had multiple Easter eggs, but it, well, it felt like that. Um, so not really going to get any Easter eggs this week. However, I did mention it earlier in the episode, this interesting fan theory that I've been hearing about. Kind of, we'll do a little background. So when Vatic took control of the Titans Bridge, she announced, you know, it's time for everybody and for Jack Crusher to learn who you truly are. And also, Vatic dropped another clue when she was talking to Beverly. And she said, Jack was never for you. And to me, this indicates, you know, the changelings or you know, someone else, perhaps the mystery face (laughs) somehow, you know, manipulated Jack or changed Jack, maybe when he was a boy or a baby, or maybe even like, you know, during conception, who knows? Another possibility is given, you know, Jack's 
eyes that glow red whenever his powers activate is that he is a member of the Pa Wraith, you know, the Bajoran's evil god. We're talking about Gal Dukat again. So this would make Jack, you know, the opposite of Benjamin Sisko, who was a kind of a half prophet. Um, as the emissary for the Bajoran people, Jack would kind of be the another counter to that for the Pa Wraith. Who knows? But I definitely think it would be cool to bring that kind of deep cut DS9 Bajoran lore. And of course, I mean, if if that turns out to be true, he has some type of paw wraith in him. Because again, the changelings were, the wormhole was right at Bajor. Goldicott was working with the Dominion. So it, it it's not crazy. You can make that jump and we wouldn't be shocked. However, I would love to see a, and I don't think it's ever going to happen, an Avery Brooks, Captain Sisko cameo. I think that'd be super awesome uh, to see again, you know, Changeling gets shot and dissipates and Cisco walks through it and he's just back, you know, back from the Celestial Temple. I would love that, but I don't think it's going to happen. Avery Brooks is loving his life right now and I don't think wants to get back into Star Trek. So who knows? We'll see. I And again, that's kind of the only way I could really care about who Jack is. And that's a pretty broad stretch to make him like somehow half Poth Wraith. You know, that that's a far stretch to do. And that just kind of shows I, me including probably a lot of fans out there. We're just done with it and we're done with this whole storyline. But anyway, again, thank you so much for listening. That has been our review on episode Dominion, season three of Picard. So Luna, let's roll that beautiful bean footage. Again, thank you guys so much for listening. And please let me know what you think. Uh, we definitely have a lot of polls on our social media. Um, a lot of you have been messaging, be like, yeah, this sucked, or oh, it was awesome, or I disagree with you. Uh, please continue to reach out on our social medias. We're on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. We're on everything. And I love hearing from you guys. And also, please remember if you're looking for great reviews on other things besides Star Trek, please check out www.jasontalksmovies.wordpress.com. That link is in the episode description below, so please check that out. And always remember to rate, review, and subscribe as well. Uh, we love uh, growing our little OPP family here, and it's been, a, it's been a pleasure. And also, we have a huge milestone coming this month. I don't want to spoil it. Years in the making, and it's all thanks to you wonderful people out there. Always remember, second start of the right straight on till morning.